Today's message that I'm be bringing forth to you. Um, the title of today's message is um, "Who's on the Lord's Side." I think it's a strong word. It's a word that, as I was studying, that I felt was suitable because I saw a lot of parallels between the Church of the Old Testament, which was the um, children of Israel, and some of the church of what's going on in our time. So I'm gonna try to bring this word forth. We're gonna be coming out of um, Exodus. It's gonna be our main topic. It's gonna come from on um, the Book of Exodus, chapter 32. We're going to be covering um, verses 1 through 10 and verses 25-26. When you have it, say amen. All right, let's read this text real quick. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Make us gods. Up, oh, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And I'm reading from the King James 1611. Alright, when you look at chapter one, I saw some very distinct things that stood out stood out to me as I was studying. First of all, when we look at chapter one, you see Moses is he delayed his coming. He was up on, on, on top of Mount Sinai. One of the greatest things that happened in the history of the church just happened two months prior to Moses going up into uh, Mount Sinai. Where God came down and he revealed himself through a cloud and through fire and through um, lightning upon the mountain. He gave the children of Israel the laws of the covenant. And Israel agreed that they was going to follow and obey all that God had commanded. So Moses here is representing the high priest. Now when you look at the name Moses... Moses mean drawn out. His name also mean lawgiver. Okay? When you're drawn out, that means he was, his name was Moses because he was drawn out for the water. Just like the born again Christian. We're drawn out or called out or chosen and called of God to be his elect from the world. Okay? So here's the leader of Israel. He's gone up and he was talking and communing with God. Okay? That's one thing that we sometimes that we don't do as Christians if we never get to the point to where we enter into that rest of God, into that communion of God, that fellowship of God, where it's all about us and God. And the way that you enter into the presence of God and move beyond just praise and get into worship is that you got to learn how to study and read his word. Because through his word is life and life more abundantly. Okay. And that's what Moses was at. He was on top of the mount. But a funny thing was when the leader was gone, what the people began to do. Let's look at these people. Now, while, while Moses was gone, the people, they began to doubt. They done been delivered out of 400 years of slavery and oppression. They've been delivered and brought to this wilderness place at the foot of the mountain. Now, one thing that I saw made me thought about is how people, when the leader's there, some people always uh, forget that relationship with God being a Christian is a personal relationship. Some of us got our church leaders in the wrong place. We can't see God because we always looking through at God through the man. So when the man is no longer present, we don't see God no more because we never developed that personal relationship with God. You understand? Because all we see God is through that man. Well, that's the problem because man is flesh. Man is going to fall. And, and, and it's foolish to put your trust in man. You understand? That's why this walk, this, this relationship, it has to be on a personal level. Now, while Moses was up in the fellowship in the presence of God, 
the people down at the bottom, they began to murmur. They went and took counsel amongst themselves. You see this all the time in churches, and many congregations been destroyed because you get some people that's in part of this church, they know they ain't living right. They know they don't want to conform to the word of truth. So what they do, they begin to gather amongst themselves. You know, they, they group to themselves um, Second Timothy. Let's show you what they do. Um, turn to Second Timothy verse chapter 4, verse 3 through 4. Born again Christians that, 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 that have not mastered the understanding of getting into a relationship with God, their relationship, their walk with Christ is unstable. And when it becomes so unstable, they begin to fall back in sin. They do what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 to 4. For the time, when y'all have it, say amen. I want to get ahead of myself. For the time will come when they, they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own what? Lust. Shall heap to themselves what? Teachers. Having what? Itching ears. And shall turn their eye, their ears, excuse me, away from the truth and shall turn unto fables. Look at what Israel did. How in the world? The master, the holy one of Israel, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the alpha and omega have appeared themselves to you in the wilderness. You saw his hand move mightily after 400 years of oppression to deliver you out of Egypt. Plays were cast on your enemy. They never did affect you. But as soon as the leader leaves, look at how they begin to act. They ain't have no relationship. All right? Didn't have no relationship. And, 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 and that's a tragedy. And as we're going to see, that's going to lead to their downfall. All right? So one thing, another thing they pointed out in the, in, in the text, which says in the first verse that Moses delayeth. They saw that he delayeth his coming. You understand? See, as born-again Christians, sometimes it's hard. We think salvation is it. We get saved and that's it. No, it's the walk. It's the enduring to the end part. That's the hard part. You understand? Because just like us, Christ died and he made a promise of coming back and redeeming Israel and, and the church and um, bringing us into a kingdom, correct? But he delays his coming. But look at what the master has to say about those that grumble about the land and his coming. Flip with me right quick to Matthew chapter 24, verse 48. Matthew 24, 48 through 50. Matthew 24, verse 48 through 50. You have it, say amen. All right. And it reads, but if that, what type of servant? Evil servant. Shall say in his heart, my Lord, the Lord is coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants. That word smite in the Greek means to offend his fellow servants and begin to what? Eat and drink. When you eat and drink, you're doing what Moses did on top of the mountain with God. You begin to commune with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and shall cut him asunder. Ain't that interesting? Last thing out of chapter, um, verse number one, I want you to remember is when the people begin to gripe and being carried away in their sin, look at what they did. They said for this Moses, this man. It's funny how your pastor or your church leader can be all so magnificent when he's operating in his, 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 his gifting of God, but soon as he's the last and coming and you begin to get involved in sin, 
First thing that you're going to lose, you're going to lose your respect for your authority. You're going to lose respect for your leader. They went from seeing God do all type of miraculous miracles through the hands of Moses to now he's being related to that man, Moses. You know what I'm saying? They just diminish his title. <laughs> let's, go, let's go on the chapter. Let's go on to verse 2. Let's go on to verse 2. Mm, we need help. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which is in your um which are in the ears of your wives and of your sons and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. Next thing you need to know, the word Aaron. Aaron was put in position to be the high priest. He was uh, um operating in what's called the order of the Leviticus priesthood. You understand? His name means light bringer. So they went to the light bringer because the priest is a light bringer, because the priest brings you the word of God, right? That makes him a light bringer. Okay, but here I want to show you how if your heart's not right, how because you care more about being a people pleaser instead of uh, having a zeal for God righteousness that you can end up allowing the people to cause you to um, sin and put yourself in the um, way of damnation. Okay, Moses, uh, Aaron here became what's called a people pleaser. Go read what it says right here. And the people broke off. The golden, um, verse number three, and the people broke off the golden earrings which in the ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he said, he received them at their hand. The word at their hand in Hebrew means that he pacified them. It means he took that measure to soothe them, to subdue them. That means, you know, at that particular time, him being a high priest, he could have initially took a stand for righteousness. You know what I'm saying? But he didn't. He failed. He failed his test. Because he gave in to the people's demand instead of standing up on the word of God. Alright? Which brings us to um verse number four. Look, listen to this now. And they received them out of his hand and he fashioned it. That's another fall of a leader. Aaron already had a vision in his mind, the light bringer, the priest, who's supposed to be setting example before the people, he already had in his mind what type of idol to make. He already had, like we studied Wednesday night, he already had a vision. That he was going to bring forth. And then he took the gold, which was the abundance that God blessed Israel with when they came out of Egypt. They took their abundance of blessing and they used it to operate in the sin that they was doing. So look at right here. Another thing that puzzled me in this whole scenario. Another thing. Let's read on down. <laughs> Told me up when I read it. All right. 32 and 4. And he received it at their hands. He pacified them, and he fashioned it with a graving tool after he made it a molten calf. Now, you were just in 400 years of slavery, oppressed at a magnified level. God delivered you out of Egypt. He showed you all the greatness and, and his might when he opened up the Red Sea. But look what Aaron made God. He fashioned him to an image of a molten calf. That word calf means having of little strength. If to me, if I saw a God that done and performed those type of miracles, I would at least made him a bull. A bull means having all kind of strength. But look how he did. Not only did, he, did, did the people not have respect for their leader, but then they sat there and put God down. They made God, instead of being an image of strength, they made him into an image of weakness. You understand? Having little strength. Mm, devil be a liar. Uh, 2 and 5. And Aaron saw he built the altar. When, when Aaron saw it, this is how we become as leaders. Sometimes we begin to do a work, even if it's 
not what God called us to do. We think it's good because the people liked it. The people go along with it. What did Mo, uh, Aaron do? In, um, 32 and 5. He built an altar before it. When you build an altar before it, an altar is a place of exchange. Okay? So what Aaron did, he built an altar so people can begin to worship this image. Mm. And the thing that gets me is, he was practicing what he learned from the priests and the ministers in Egypt. He was practicing and copying what the world around them when they was in slavery was doing. You understand that? And that's what the church do today. Because we're unlearned. God said my people suffer from the lack of understanding. We're so unlearned that we allow the things of the world to come up in the church. You can't take like these holidays. They took the holy days that God ordained for us to observe and they replaced it with holidays. You can't take the things of this world, put God's name to it, and then all of a sudden want to call it holy. You understand that? You understand? You're acting in what's called spiritual fornication and not even understanding it. That's why the devil has led so many that's in the church astray. Because they don't study their word, they don't show themselves approved, and they be carried by every doctrine and, treat and teaching that follow after the mindset of men. Let's continue to go. Hmm. <sighs> 32 and 6. Thirty-two and six said, and they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play. It's mighty funny how when you operating in the church, sometimes it's hard to get people to show up on time to things. It's hard to get people to do things that they've been called to do in their offices within the house. But when they begin embarking sin. They don't mind sacrificing money, resources. They rose up early. That means they rose up eager. They had a great expectation. They went to this little orgy excited just to go dabble up in sin. Mm, 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 mm. My God. Rose up early. Flip with me to um, James chapter 1, <coughs> verse 14 through 15. It's just a little warning that um, God gave through the word for the church, for leaders. When you get to the place where you don't mind sinning and backsacking, God sees everything. You understand? Your leader, if he got a spirit of God in him and God bless him with the spirit of discernment, he knows who's operating um, in an orderly fashion outside of the house and who's not. But listen to what James 1 and 14 through 15 says. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own what? Lust and enticed. Then when lust ha uh, has conceived, it bringeth forth what? Sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Let that be a warning to this house. For those that think they're going to come and dabble in them things of God, but then outside of the church, you go back and you dabble into the things of the world. Let's, let me continue my message. I want to get ahead of myself. So, let's look at um, 32 and 7. This is what happens or the result of sin being in the camp. So, here's Moses on the mount in communion and in fellowship. This is the leader. In fellowship with the Most High God. And the Lord said unto Moses, 32 and 7, Go, get thee down, for thy people which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Don't you know the word of God says if you're friends of this world, then you're an enemy to God? God the one that delivered Israel out of Egypt, right? But look what he said here. He just disowned this great nation that he just delivered by his own hands. He said, he told Moses, thou people, 
that you brought out of the land of Egypt. Listen to what he said. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they, it is a stiff-necked people. That means they're hard-hearted. Their heart is hearted. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. Pump the brakes. When I read that, that messed me up. Because I know the patriarchs of Israel was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right, because of the sins, this is this is a warning to us, to us Christian folk, to us born again believers. When we begin to dabble in the world and walk away from God, or we get to the place where we don't keep a relationship with God, we're not reading in communion with God. First of all, God will disown us. Then, 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 secondly, His anger, His fierce wrath will rise up against us because now we're enter into spiritual fornication. So now we got to take on His chastisement. You understand? But the thing that got me on this was. God got so angry with Israel that he was to the point where he was ready to literally destroy him. And he was going to undo the work that he promised through Abraham. Because he told Moses at this particular time that I will make thee great. And when you read in um, Deuteronomy, um, it also said that God became so hot with Aaron, the leader, that God wanted to kill him. But it was Moses that stood in the gap. Now, Aaron already failed his test down on the bottom. Let me show you how God tests the heart of a true leader. See, when you get in a relationship with God and you in communion with him, when you're standing in his presence, you like David. You become a man after his own heart. And it's being that you're in that position, you got the, I ain't going to say you got the authority, but you got the right. If you come before God the right way, that you can change even his wrath. Watch what here. Moses could have easily, if he was a, a wicked leader, he could have easily was like, you're right, God. I was the one that brought him out of the land of Egypt. But he didn't do that. He passed his test. He went back because he had that relationship with God. He knew if I fell down at God's face, get back into communion with God. And the way you get back in communion with God is through worship. He went back into worship with God. You understand? Listen to the things that he told him. Listen to this. Y'all got to catch this. Catch this, what he told him. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why dost thy wrath wax hot against thy people which thou brought? He put it back in God's hand. These ain't my people. I don't want to be Lord over them. You delivered them out of Egypt. It was through your hand. It was through your grace. It was through your mercy. It was through your love that these people was able to come out of the bondage that they was held captivity in. Held captive in. You understand? Let me catch my place again. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, let's know. All right, here we go. And Moses besought the Lord and said, Why does thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore the enemies. So the first thing he showed them was his grace. His grace brought forth the deliverance, right? Then on top of that, while in worship and communion and talking to God, he brought back into God his glory. Wherefore the Egyptians or God's enemy shall speak and say for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fifth wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Then he brought back to God his promise. Remember the patriots. Remember Abraham. 
Isaac, Jacob, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thy own self and said it unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. When we understand how to operate in the presence of God, we can move God's hands. You understand? You look at our country now, and you look at all the madness going on with government, leadership, and all that. It's, it's only by God's grace. Because God is not going to destroy the, the righteous with the wicked. You understand that? God has given us a period of time to get this thing right before we release those four, we, um, them four uh, angels holding back the four winds of destruction that God already ordained to come upon this earth. You understand? Don't take this word today lightly. Examine your own heart and see where you at with this thing, with this relationship that we call being a Christian or being a born-again believer. All right? Let's skip down. And I'm going to paraphrase so I can get through the text. So here's Moses. Moses had already went in. He done prayed to God. He got God to repent of his evil. He, told, he got God to say that he wasn't going to destroy the people as he had envisioned in his heart. But watch what happened when Moses come down off the mountain. Go to on 32 and 19 for me right quick. I got to show you this. I got to show you the wickedness of these people. You just saw God move mightily. I don't know about y'all, but I know where I am at in this thing. And I got godly envy for children of Israel that they was able to even see God in the manifestation on that mount. I'm sitting right here looking around this wicked world, but every time I get into this word, that's where my peace comes from. That's where I shut off the doors of all this madness that's going on around me, even when I'm at my lowest point. I get in this book. And I begin to read the miracles of God, the blessings of God, and it, it, it does something to my spirit. It lifts my soul up. You understand? And I can't, I can't fathom being at a place to where you see God's hand move in a miraculous way that it has. Even some of us in here that saw God perform many miracles in our own lives. Just for us a couple months later to forget what God done for us. Because we try to treat God like a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We get that what have you done for me lately syndrome. We forget about the grace and the love he showed us that led us to, to the altar to, to give our souls to him. We forget about that. We look at our now situations and forget about our past that he delivered us from. And then we even take our minds off the future he's trying to bring us to. All right. So look at number 19. 32 and 19 right quick. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh to the camp. That he saw the golden calf, he saw the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables, which were the stone tablets that God written himself with his own hands. He took them and he cast them down to the ground. <clears throat> cast the uh, tablets out of his hands, and they broke them beneath the mount. All right? That's what a righteous leader do. When you get to the point that you become a righteous leader... And you're leading folks. You take on what we call a zeal of righteousness. Christ our Messiah had a zeal of righteousness. Only time you ever heard about Christ getting angry during his earthly ministry is when he went into the temple and he saw the money changers sitting in there um, changing dollars up in the, uh, in the church. Like we're doing in, in churches in this, this country here today, in the day's time. They took the gospel and found a way to commercialize it, to make money off of it, to profit off the word of God. And, it, and it's going on rampant. Leading the masses astray. Leading many millions down that broad path that's going to lead to destruction. You understand? Here, 
Moses showed that same zeal Christ did. Christ went into the temple and took a whip and beat it and turned over the money changers. Here Moses, when he came down, he was like shocked. These people cutting up. They done win a fool. You know what I'm saying? Dancing. And that word dancing means uh, shock. Uh, shock in Hebrew, which means sexual immorality. So when it said that they played, they was actually having what we call sexual orgies while they were dancing around that calf. That's why when you read down to 25, what did it say? And when Moses saw that the people were what? Naked. For Aaron had made them what? Naked. Until they are shame among their enemies. That's what sin does to you. When you sin, when Adam and Eve sin in the garden, when they find out that when the knowledge of good and evil came within them, first thing they saw that they was what? And what did they do? Run and go do what? Hide themselves. You understand? That's what sin does. Sin keeps you out of the house of God. That's why a leader up here in the church, you see people not here, people not coming, you ain't got to think nothing other than they operating in some type of sin in their life. You understand? That's the reason why they don't want to come to the house of God, because they don't want God where to find them where they at. They don't want to come to the house of God because they don't want the leader to chastise them for being where they at to get them back. You understand? Because you can have, like Christ said, you can have a hundred sheep, but one goes astray, you go and get it. You leave the 99, go get it. Folks can't handle that. They got itching ears and they chasing after their own lust. And they rather be pacified instead of standing straight on this, this straight and narrow path that's going to lead to eternal life. Alright, so here it is right here. People was physically naked, dancing, orgy, sexual immorality, but they was also spiritually naked. Because anytime you create and operate in spiritual fornication, what it does, it severs your tie with God. Until you redeem yourself through repentance. You understand? It severs your relationship with God. So you have to come before God humble and repentive to get back in right standings with him. Adam and Eve, they was already, Adam, when he was birthed, he was bred the breath of life in God. That means he had a spiritual covenant because God, that breath of life is the word of God. God blew his precepts, his law, statute, and commandments through in Adam. You understand? But when Adam sinned, that spiritual covering was gone. It was taken away. So what did they try to cover themselves on fig leaves? But after God did his judgment to them and the serpent, he took the skins of a coat of an animal and covered them. He put the covering of flesh on them. You understand? That's what sin does. It leaves you spiritually and physically naked. Naked in front of your enemies. Why? Because people saw your walk. They heard you boasting and saying that you're born again, that you've been delivered. But then they see you operating in sin. That brings forth a nakedness. They bring forth shame. Yeah, this is a hypocrite right here. You get exposed. You understand? So, which brings me to my text today. Let's look at Exodus uh, 25 through 26. Again. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame amongst the enemy, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, which is the title of my text today. Who is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of who? Levi, all the sons, all the priests of the tribes gather themselves together unto Moses. That's what God's at in this earth right now. He's calling us and he's asking us week after week, 
Who's going to be, who's on the Lord's side? Y'all think we got forever, but we don't. I was showing Deacon um, Hill, me and him, a great conversation yesterday while we was up here doing some work. And I explained to him some different signs that the Old Testament talked about that lets you know that we're entering into the hour of the last days where Christ um, returned his enemy. We're in, we're in that hour. We're in the greatest time of man as well because God didn't pull back the veil. He's exposing all the wicked deeds that man has done in, in, in behind closed doors. But at the same time, his righteous, his elect, his born-again believers, the ones that have the spirit of God inside of them, he's raising them up even greater. He said that in the last days that he was going to make known the mysteries of his word. The mysteries are being exposed right now. Right now. Revelations coming left and right. Left and right. Places where the church should have been. God just raising up regular Joe Blows in the societies. Putting his word. Putting his spirit. Putting, putting understanding in them. Why? Because he know same way it was when, he, when Christ. See, the Ecclesiastes said there's nothing new under the sun. When Jesus came on the scene on the earth, there was 400 years no, no open revelations from heaven given unto man. But when Jesus came on the earth, you already had religion going on in the body and in the earth. That when the word of truth came and presented itself before the religion, they couldn't receive it. Same thing in the earth. God raising up soldiers in these last days is going to take a stand for righteousness. They ain't going to be weak and back and, and weak back like Aaron was. They ain't going to be people pleasers. You understand? I came up in my lifestyle where I'm used to walking by myself. You understand? I ain't got an entourage around me. Don't need one. You understand? Because blood is the path that's going to lead you to destruction. No. And straight is the way that's going to lead to eternal life. And I don't know about y'all, but I can speak for me. I done went through too much hell to sit there and spend my eternity in hell. You understand that? I'm looking for that righteous road. And if I got to travel it by myself, I'll do it. I told God a long time ago I'd do it. You understand? And that's where we at. That's where we at. The time of grace is winding down, peoples. It's time for you to set your soul out and find out which side are you on. There ain't no compromise. There ain't no compromise. When Moses stood before God, he went back to the mountain and communed with God. And he said they made them a God of gold. That word gold goes back to what Jesus was saying in the New Testament. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and mammon. Go, and then I found out through my studies that mammon, in the Sumerian times, mammon was a deity. We always relate mammon to money, but mammon was a, 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 a demigod that was being worshipped by um, the nations of that time, of that era. You understand? So you can't serve two masters. You can't serve this world and try to live for God. You can't be lustful and greedy for money and think you're going to walk in the righteousness of God. There's nothing wrong with being prosperous. But if it's prosperous because of your righteousness, then it'll continue to be with you. But if it's, if it's prosperity because of, of ungodly deeds, then that, that stuff going, God going to eventually blow on it and you're going to lose everything you got. So, a couple things that I want to leave y'all with this morning as I begin to close this text is, is this. Turn to Proverbs 14 and 12. Turn to Proverbs 14 and 12. I think I'm about to wrap this thing up. Let this be a warning to this house this morning. Christ said he's coming back for a church without spot and wrinkle. He ain't coming back for no building. You are the church. You understand? You are the temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells. 
You understand? If your temple is defiled, then the Holy Spirit is not going to take up shop with you. You understand? And eventually the Holy Spirit is going to be taken out of this earth. And if it abides in you, then it might be you with it. You understand? But that's the challenge for the day. Proverbs 14 and 12 said, There is a way which seems right unto man. But the end there are the ways of what? Death. I don't know about you this morning, but I want you to know about this. Same way in this earth, the same way it was with Israel in this text. The absence of the law of God is heaven on earth for the wicked and the unbeliever. But it ain't heaven on earth for the righteous. Because the righteous know in order for me to continue in my relationship with God, I have to be holy before him. My lifestyle got to reflect what, what, what Christ demonstrated during his walk in the earth. You understand? This kind of spiritual and moral rebellion against God will lead the church, which is you, to utter ruin and destruction. Whenever a man follow after his own lust, it will only lead to his own, his or her own personal ruin in their life. And I hope that y'all receive the, the message that I'm trying to send to you. This thing is personal. One thing Dr. Manley always tells us, and whether you like it or not, the instructions that came from the pulpit, the teachings, was on point. You understand? The teachings was righteous. The teachings was what you need. It's all about your personal growth. You understand? And the thing he always tells us, always try to fix and work out your own personal ministry. That's, what, that's what's important. Because, again, God coming for a church in the end, that's without spot or wrinkle. You understand? He's coming for their soul because the kingdom is built of men. That's what was being measured, measurement of men. So is your name, is your number going to be included in the midst? And, you know, when you're in a situation, rather on your job, rather it's in this house, this church house, or rather amongst your family, rather it's amongst your friends, are you going to be weak, that weak Christian that don't stand for nothing, that try to be a people pleaser, or are you going to be a soldier for God? And you're going to be the one that's going to say, when that question is asked, who's on the lower side? You're going to be the one that said, I'm on the lower side. And I'm closing on that note. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hey.